0: Hi, I'm Tapia And I'm Brian Ziegler from the band Dark Beauty. And you're, you're listening, listening to, to the Free Freeform Form Rock Podcast. Podcast.
1: Right! You are listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast.
2: Is everybody
1: in? Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin.
2: Just tell me something about Abbey Road for one
0: second. Uh-huh. I had heard that Abbey Road was not supposed to be called Abbey Road. You were going to call it something like
2: Mount Everest or something. Yeah. Where all- this is true? That is true, yeah. What is the story there? Well, you know, um, you're making an album and... Towards the end of the album, you start thinking, well, we need a title for this. So you're looking around, you're fishing around. And the engineer, Jeff Emmerich, who is our, our Beatle engineer, who did all the great sounds for us, was smoking cigarettes called Everest. They're like a kind of menthol right. cigarette at the time. And we kind of looked at that and said, Everest. It's a good it's name. It's kind of, you know, it's big, it's heroic. That could be good for the album. And just one day we were in Abbey Road working and I just sort of said, well, look, you know, why not abbey road because if we did that we could just run outside right. there's a there's a level crossing as we call it out there zebra crossing and we could just stand there we could get photographed come back to work it'd take two seconds right i said and it's not a bad title you know abbey road to us it was kind of just the name of a studio but i thought if you take it out of context kind of sounds like monastery lane abbey road it's isn't is isn't, certain...
0: isn't it weird how just a simple thought like that becomes a legend i mean that's like yeah. iconic now abbey road
2: yeah and yet well, it could yeah, have been called I'd... everest and that would have yeah. required
0: the beatles to fly to mount everest and do a whole
2: photo shoot. so in yeah. a way it was sort of a lazy approach it was a cheap approach it was a cheap approach <laughs>
0: All right, man, Uh, Charles, we were, like, talking on Messenger, and you said, let's fucking do this right now. Why?
3: Yeah. (laughs) Well, because you're always like, yeah, no one wants to talk about the Beatles with me. I will speak to the Beatles about the Beatles under anybody under the sun. Yes, I disconnected. I have (laughs) shitty headphones. Y'all know what's going on in the world, you know, fucking hours getting cut. And shit like that. I'm a little poor right now, folks, but it's okay.
0: Your hours got cut.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, money and shit's fucked up all over the place. Uh-huh. But let's vote this other clown in. Ooh, sorry for the politics. Um, Anyway, we we had talked about this. Mark is really upset when nobody includes him on Beatles Talk. He said on a, on a show last night, Oasis was my favorite group. They are not, by perfect. far, but they are not my favorite group. Um, it's a little group out of Liverpool, Merseyside, the Beatles. So when people attack me and say, wow, you like like popular shit, my favorite band is the Beatles. Were they not the most popular group in the history of the world?
0: Well, according to uh, John Lennon, they were bigger than God. I mean,
3: twenty-seven number one singles. Yep. Twenty-seven number one, and and the now that will never be
0: touched. Well, didn't Taylor Swift just beat that?
3: No, she did not. Without I don't want to do that. Okay. Jerry's not on here, so no. <laughs> uh, she did not. Um, besides the Spotify and shit now.
0: Yeah, that's not fair. I I, I think singles should be hey I bought this single look now count it you know they should just start they release singles like you could buy singles off the digital format just start buying them make these singles real digital sales are real just streaming isn't they
3: can be but streaming is not necessarily but that's a whole different issue because I live in an environment where I can't have a record player You know, I haven't listened to a record since like 1989, 88, right? So I don't get why everybody's creaming their pants because I remember when we wanted CDs and I've lived in environments where you can't have a record player, but whatever to the record people, big love. I appreciate you.
0: I love both. uh, I love the both formats, man.
3: Yeah. But I, the Beatles are my favorite group ever. There would be no Black Sabbath if there was no Beatles there would be no whoever we we you love Van Hagar I'm going to throw you a bone that's cool I don't care honestly I don't care I also don't think there'd I'm be a no real Van
0: Halen star. without the Beatles come on right. Hey,
3: right I don't think I don't think I'm a star by the way for the people at home in this episode don't call me a star because we're talking about the Beatles but there would be nothing. Without the Beatles. Nothing.
0: Recording techniques, like in the production. Rock and roll. Exactly.
3: Rock and roll was dead, man. It was fucking Dion and Fabian and all this lame shit because all the cool motherfuckers. Elvis was making movies. Chuck Berry was in jail. Jerry Lewis was fucking his cousin. You, You know what I mean? Everything was fucking. It was Pat Boone
0: you yeah. made a metal album uh, that Jeff Beers yeah, loves. It's,
3: well, well, that's <laughs> Jeff Beers. I mean, we can't help him.
0: He, he loves wants that to word do, furlong. Oh, my God. He
3: wants, to, he wants to do WBF Dead Reckoning or something. I'd do it, but, I mean, come on. But in the end, there would be no where we're at today without the Beatles. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Elvis was the king. Lennon acknowledged it, but the Beatles fucking saved rock and roll, in my opinion. And then there was a Black Sabbath, and there was a Led Zeppelin, even the fucking mighty Rolling Stones.
0: Huh? They they were by, psychedelic after the Beatles.
3: By far, and I love the Stones, but who wrote the first big hit for the Stones? I'm your man. Uh, Lennon and I want be be a beer man. Lennon McCartney, right? A Ringo song, and I love Ringo. But even Lennon, who is the ultimate dickhead, he was the dickhead before Liam Gallagher and Noel Gallagher and all these guys. Was like, well, we're not going to give them something great, right? Because he's fucking John Lennon, my favorite Beatle by far. So. uh yeah, you, you, you were like, I want to talk about the Beatles, no problem. Let's do Abbey Road, fuck it. Nobody else is ready. I'm ready right now. Don't need notes. Let's do this shit. And that's what we're doing today. Abbey Road, I'm going to pick a song when we get to it.
0: Okay, yeah. And I'll I tell you which one. Thanks for reminding me, song picks. <laughs> I, I
3: I will get to it when we get to it.
0: Okay, you need to tell me. I'll Then I'll do mine when... I will. Come. Well, what no if problem. I have yours? Damn it. <laughs>
3: Yeah, <laughs> then you might beat me and then i'll pick something else Side <laughs> i i really i really do we already did let it be with lee and andy and personally i think the movie get back was better than the album let it be i think let it be i put let it be towards the bottom of my favorite beatles albums mm. um But this album right here, Abbey Road, near the top. Near the top. You
0: want to get the stats on this album? You probably know them on your head, off your head.
3: Well, all I do know is that it was roughly 1969. Let it be, it had already been recorded. And it was Get Back back then. And Jeff Emmerich walked out, the great producer, uh, well, engineer. Jeff Martin was basically, uh, what's that other dude, Rick Rubin? Rick Rubin. At this point. He was either laying on the couch or leaving at this point. And Paul got a hold of, on behalf of the group, of George. We want to make one proper album. The fifth Beatle.
0: Yeah, maybe. Without his production, dude, I don't think the Beatles would have been who they were, though.
3: Perhaps. Uh, it's probably the best just argument. Just
0: think how drunk and stoned they were at times and he had to keep it together for them.
3: Really just John. But it's perhaps the best argument for it. But And Paul had called George and said, we want to make one more proper album with overdubs and the whole schmear. Like we used to do. And and to get Jeff, Jeff Emmerich back, by the way. Because he was the best engineer in the history of the Beatles and George said well is John too because John was the fucking boss of the Beatles I mean this is the way it is it's the way it is you see it in the get back documentary he was
0: that secret microphone I love that oh it's the best scene it is the best scene for like true Beatle fans you're listening to the inner workings of two geniuses man how how fucking awesome is that
3: there was like three parts. The part, the part before that, when now there's just two. Yeah. And Paul was crying. And then the phone came, and then he did that secret talk with John. That was awesome. Yeah. Number two. And then when Paul worked up, get back from nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was fantastic. But um, yeah, of course George was like John too. And, and Paul's like yeah okay we'll fucking do it basically that's it and George actually did produce this and it's the only album actually recorded with reasonably modern recording techniques by the way with yeah. like with uh, I think it was 8-track or 16 track I don't know I'm not a technical, technical guy but it was definitely the most closest to what we know today i mean of course today we're beyond that but i don't like modern recordings do you
0: uh, I no they're too that's why i like uh
3: they all sound like they always sound like, together
0: it, it, there's no fucking stereo separation or everything it's just so yes. like moosh
3: yeah just sounds i mean like stay with, <laughs> say what you got about gene simmons but he was like I don't like Monster, but the last Monster, that last album they recorded, was the old school way.
0: Yeah.
3: Tape, and then put to digital. I don't like digital recordings. Dave Grohl
0: records with tape for the Foo Fighters. It
3: sounds better. Yeah. Way better. I mean, think about Zeppelin, man. How great that shit is. Yep. And even though this was tape, it was on a more modern board, which finally Abbey Road put in to play, finally. And I've heard some people say, well, I've asked many people, believe me, in my time, like could you imagine if the Beatles had this kind of stuff their whole time? And some people say, well, that was the charm of the original recording. I don't know. But this was certainly the most modern recorded Beatles album, by far. It was uh, put out before Let It Be, or well, I mean, it came out before "Let It Be," but actually, this was the last album they ever made, and um, that's about all I can say. I don't have all the stats below me. I'm just going off the top of my head.
0: Well, it was released September 26 nineteen sixty nine. So it's having an anniversary coming up. It's gonna be like what, Fifty. These albums old. are over fifty some 50 years 50
3: old. Years this years is insane. Fifty, 50 this years is the old. Thing. Is it not insane? Right.
0: You're going to be 54 years old this year. Damn.
3: Not not me, but this album will be. I'll be 54. But but the cool part is, we'll get into it right on the debut song on uh, how I actually heard this song and stuff like that. And uh, it's the most modern-sounding Beatles album by far. And there was a big... Big huge problem. Lennon and McCartney were still at odds, big time. And all of side two, Lennon did not want to do it all. Did not want to do it. We'll get into it when we get into it. But side one was kind of to placate John, side two was to placate George. Um, we just did a show the other night about Lennon and McCartney, their first two albums, and meanwhile, George put out the best debut album of all of them. Like, fuck you guys. Because he has some great tracks on this record as well. It's just so fascinating, this whole period. The whole breakup and what was going on. But, um, it is definitely the most modern-sounding you can put this album on, and it sounds like it could be put out today, in my opinion. Yeah. You can't say that about Please, Please Me.
2: No.
3: Necessarily. Or
0: even though... Well, the way I, they're making music. Even though, the way they're making music now, yeah, I could see Please, Please Me come out now. <laughs> well, but, Probably a little bit dirtier version. But this,
3: like, Abbey Road as a whole <laughs> would be better than anything that was coming out today. Oh, yeah. By any band period
0: that's, that's why i always get into uh like producing i always talk about production like i like this new guy called dave cobb well, right, let me unpo- oh we're going rival
3: sons guy but yeah rival
0: oh. sons dave cobb man i'm just saying he gets one take like miles kennedy recorded a slash album with him last time and he went in before the pandemic and he recorded vocals and he goes well i need to go in." oh you're done we're done he recorded one take well
3: <laughs> But is, is he the great Sir George Martin? No.
0: No, but he does raw production. I, I wish more people would go back to that. Maybe.
3: Story. I would. I'm, I'm not against that. I think I agree. I mean, people talk shit on Gene Simmons a lot, but he's absolutely right, man. Tape, wood, amps. That's the way to go, period. Because as much as I love Ghosts, or I love. I don't love we nine arm. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't love nine armed Death Leopard. But even even Chinese Democracy by GNR, it has this homogenized sound where you can't really hear the separation in the instruments.
1: Yeah, black like World. Could,
3: right? Like you could back in the day. And even though this is on tape, this is the standard that Zeppelin would go with. Rolling Stones, fucking hat, Bad Company, Queen, all these different groups, this is the prototype right here, this album. And yes, Mark Daly, there would be no Black Sabbath without the Beatles.
0: Well, they all said that. (laughs) Period. Tony, Geezer, uh, Bill said, without the Beatles, I don't think we'd be here.
3: (laughs) There's only one higher, and that's because John Lennon said it. Without Elvis, the Beatles will be nothing.
0: Yeah. So, you have Elvis. Elvis, man.
3: You have Elvis and then the Beatles. And no disrespect to James West down the road here, but I love the Stones, but they're no Beatles. So. So let's get into it, man. Let's get, Fuck into it.
0: It. It. Uh, get the first song, which come together, which it says John wrote this song.
3: Yes, John he did.
0: Rhythm guitar, electric Fender Rhodes piano, backing vocals, hand claps, a tambourine. Paul just played bass. George guitar and Ringo drums and maracas. And it's the dates it was recorded. It was but, August seventh, nineteen sixty nine, the mixing of it.
3: But that's not one hundred percent true. It isn't because Paul did add harmony vocals
0: okay cool
3: but as an overdub and paul was always pissed off that john didn't ask me to do the vocals live because like on hey bulldog Uh which was also done as an overdub and paul was hurt because hey bulldog is great but now this track here i remember intimately well this is the well somehow in I'm gonna guess it was like 1977 1978 something like that my mom was a single mom she worked in an afternoon shift I was dropped off at of that daycare and I intimately remember being picked up in her 75 Monte Carlo and many times coming together was on the radio on the radio all right And, like, real radio, not what we have today. And I was like, I like that song. What is that? And my mom was like, the Beatles. And I was like, oh, really? Because somehow, like, I knew the Beatles. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I knew them. Like, I I knew, like, probably she loves you or I want to hold your hand or something like that. And come together is so much different than those songs. This is Lennon being like, you know what? I can write a number one single again, too. Because he went through that period where he was I love his abstract period, by the way. But I think somebody told him, hey, you're just not bringing it anymore.
2: And he brought it
3: here. And allegedly, he told Paul, I got this. And then after the fact, he told him, okay, add your little boat. So it no problem the bass line from McCartney is great this is like the greatest one of the greatest George Solos actually maybe but we're going to get into that on the next track I think but it's really really good and Ringo is on fire one of the greatest Beatle tracks it's one of the first ones I ever remember in my life and uh, motherfucking Black Sabbath has to love this song it rules come together is a great track slight burnout factor but i do love it
0: yeah i'm reading in this book right here man uh first they start off with Abbey Road, a leap into eternity which is like not far off man uh but uh it says uh, you know in this song it says listen to the 230 mark someone yells look out we assume that is john is that john
3: i yeah I would say so.
0: Yeah. And it says, you're talking about George's solo. It says, George's magnificent solo, Paul, recorded a lot of heavy breathing at the end, which is partially buried and inaudible in the final stereo mix made on August 7th. Yes. (laughs) That's weird, but this song... What's
3: your opinion of it?
0: I'm about saying my opinion right now. This song fucking rules. I think Aerosmith did it best, though. (laughs) I think it's dirtier for Aerosmith. And it translates better to Aerosmith, but when I heard this first, this song is fucking awesome. I still love this version. And it's like when I think of come together. It's like when I think of Van Halen fucking uh, like doing the Kinks. I think of uh, like an Aerosmith owning this song. <laughs> it might be because I was a kid, saw them in the movie playing the Evil Band, yeah, yeah. but uh, what like was this song. the first
3: Beatles song that you knew?
0: Uh, when like I was really four,
3: knew. Her. Wow. Yeah. Good. You're slightly older. I used You're to go, well, you still older. love
0: me, will you still need me when I'm 64.
3: But do you remember watching the Beatles cartoon on the TV?
0: Yeah, and the movie I used to wait... Every yellow Submarine! A, a Yellow Submarine to come out, man. Every but it kind of freaked me out when
3: out. I was a kid, though.
0: It wasn't you know, like, voices.
3: Yeah, and I was like two or three, so it kind of freaked me out. But... This was the first fucking song I ever remember, like, truly remember hearing. And I was like, who is that? And my mom was like, the Beatles. And like I said, I was like, oh, really? Because it was so different from the other songs. But at this point, I like I said, at this point in time, a little slight out, burnout factor, and I do think the John Lennon Live in New York City version was better. But this was still a... Really, man, it's the number one single. I mean, how can you fucking blow it off? I don't, Aerosmith is cool, but I was I still aired in this. But I, I, I slightly disagree, but whatever. What's the next song? Next, something, right? Like
0: the next one is something, man. The only single released off this album. Uh, really? You want to go last? You want to go first? That's fine. It don't matter. All right. Well, I'll just say uh, I think this is cool for all the technical geeks out there. It said, uh, uh, George, vocal, hand claps, guitar, Paul, bass, backing vocals, hand claps, John, rhythm guitar, Ringo, drums, hand claps, Billy Preston on the piano and organ, and you had an orchestra. You had 12 violins, 4 violas, 4 cellos, and 1 double bass. I thought that was fucking pretty damn cool. to fucking see all went into this. George Martin, man, he controlled those orchestras, man. That's why I call him the fifth Beatle, because... All those orchestrations are from him. It's not from the Beatles, is it? No. It's all from George. So, something, man. What an incredible fucking song, man. And uh, the manager said they didn't release it for a boatload of cash. They released it to give George more confidence in his songwriting. So, (laughs) So To have one of his compositions come out. But this is a fucking great fucking song, man. It's like, there's no fucking sitars in it. It's like a fucking great love song, man. Fucking love it, man. Charles.
3: The absolute greatest love ballad, whatever you want to call it, the Beatles ever did. Period. Across the board. It was so good that even Paul, who had like this, I'm going to treat George like my little brother and look down on him which he did all the time, he told John on the side, George's songs are maybe better than ours. John told Yoko, this should be a single. Come Together was actually the B-side of this single. Yeah. Um, what can I say? It's fucking phenomenal. I've been hit and miss big time on George's work in The Beatles. I, th- I do think he's a little bit overrated at times. I, I think he had some good songs. I think he had some shit songs too, but he's, but his shit songs would be the greatest songs ever for, let's say electric light orchestra yeah. and I love them yeah. and, and I mean his, I mean his clunkers are like phenomenal compared to a lot of other bands. But in this group, against the two greatest songwriters that ever lived on this planet, um, yeah, they can come up short, but not this fucking song. His solo is phenomenal. He actually was mad at the bass work. And, and you brought up to me a few days ago, I don't know which track it was, Paul's bass work.
0: Hey, Bulldog.
3: It's phenomenal. Rain is, rain, rain might be better. Yeah. But, but this is phenomenal, too. And it's disputed that, well, George was not happy with what Paul played on it. But it's disputed on what, how it went. But allegedly, Paul said, hey, just shut up. I, I know what I'm doing. I've made all these number one singles. Let me do my thing. He played his part. I kind of err towards that. Because of the fact that if you listen to George's songs through the years, who brought the most to help George out? Paul McCartney. Yep. Taxman, his solo. Listen to Old Brown Shoe. That's another song that's phenomenal. Paul always helped George out. Guess who does not play on this track? John Lennon who was recovering from a a car accident. Yoko was put in a hospital bed in the studio for the making of this album. Oh, my God. With a microphone, and she could say, change this, delete that, whatever. The fuck? But even though John did not play on this track, he did stand up to everybody in the Apple community before Apple computers, Apple Core, and said, this would be the single and uh it's a phenomenal song the best ballad the beatles ever did
0: hey even though we both love apple wasn't it shitty of apple to name their company apple
3: (laughs) (laughs) well there was a lawsuit
0: yeah there was a lawsuit i know
3: and that's why you know what apple music i hope you hear me put the beatles mono on apple please because you don't have it yet yeah because the old school Beatles recordings need to be heard on mono.
0: I think uh, Amazon has that. I'll check after the show, but,
3: dude. If it, it, I'm just telling you the from pre Sergeant Pepper back, you need to listen to it on mono. It's yeah, I mean, better.
0: Right.
3: But anyway, so what's the next the
0: track? next track, Maxwell Silver Hammer. You want me to go, or you want to go? I'll go. All right, go for it.
3: Second worst track on the album. I really don't like this song, and neither did George. Neither did John. I don't think Paul or Ringo really cared for it that much either. It does feature Mal Evans on that clang clang it's, that anvil. It says
0: question mark though in the book on it. Nah, it was
3: it was Mal. Okay. Um, the producer of Badfinger. Who, Lord, folks, please check out some Badfinger. They're not in a bad group.
0: Well, actually, check One, out
3: some fucking Foghat. Yeah, but they're not on Apple, what Badfinger was. Uh, I just I don't care for this song. I think it's a silly song about psycho killers. The guy slamming people in the head with hammers. Uh, it might have actually worked on Ram, though. Like, maybe Paul could have kept this song. To himself. Of course he didn't know the Beatles was done. Um they were as miserable making the song as they did O Bla D O La, Da. And uh, and I love O Bla D O La, Da, by the way. But I just don't like this song. I think it's kind of a clunker. There's one other song in this that is an absolute clunker by far. But this one is close. And, uh, it's lame. But it does have some synthesizer. Yeah. Movie. Thanks to George Harrison. Um, but that's about it.
0: Paul's playing that. The Moog Might
3: be, but George bought it. Bought it. He was the most technical advanced at the time. <laughs> lame Mom song. was
0: even on this song, dude. He said, fuck this Of phone.
3: course. Of course. Because he was still convalescing from wrecking a car. Which he had no driver's license and was legally blind. But there you go. Oh,
0: man. I... Fucking love this song, dude. It's just like I don't know if it reminds me of that shitty fucking Bee Gees movie, but uh, I, oh. remember, I remember freaking uh, was it Steve Bart doing Maxwell and he's going bang bang Mac, turning all the old people young with the max s- the silver hammer, dude. So that's I think because kid, I watched that song, but in the, song, movie, but in the it,
3: song he's actually killing people.
0: Yeah, but in in the movie I think he was changing them.
3: Like, yeah, a, yeah, to yeah. young
0: people. So I'm just like Steve Bart was singing it. So that put the song in my head. So when I finally heard it on Abbey Road, I just go, Oh, I know this song. Oh, wait, I like this song. So it's fucking cool. I, I like it. I think it's, it's, it, it's a, it's a quite difference from the first two songs I here. You got the come together by John Lennon and you got something with George Harrison and you got the pop of fucking McCartney on this one.
3: Nah, this is like Magneto and Tidated, man bad but whatever <laughs> what's the next track oh, uh, let me take the dog. next track please let uh, me take this one here
0: okay
3: i'm gonna take it because now this is more like it
0: have you picked a song mm-hmm. yet
3: no okay no i i know which one I, i'm going to do oh, okay. we're not there yet but oh darling holy fuck, is this a track Now I do, I do would say to people at home, listening, check out the Anthology 3 version. I do think it's slightly better. Uh, but this is still, it's still great. Paul actually took like a bunch of takes. He wanted his voice to be as raw as possible. John is on this track. Mm -hmm. Um, George plays some great harmony guitar. Um, Paul wanted his voice to be as raw as possible. He told Jeff Emmerich, you know, like, in 63, I would have knocked this out. This has been a struggle. But you know what? There's points where you know who he sounds like to me, believe it or not, or that guy sounded like him, Paul Stanley.
0: Probably. It
3: points. It points.
0: Where did Paul Stanley get his moves from, a drag queen?
3: Maybe. I mean, Paul Stanley's an anglophile like myself. but Yeah, he dances it is, bad. <laughs> it's a phenomenal track. Robin
0: Gibb didn't do a bad version on that movie you're talking no, about. He, no, he didn't. By the way, no, he didn't. No.
3: But I actually was... like
0: the BG singing on... The Beatles songs without the disco beat. But then I listen to old BGS without a disco beat, and I still don't like it. But I like this album for some reason. Yeah,
3: it's not bad. But Paul's vocals are so raw, it's just a throwback to old-school rock and roll. It was a shame Paul had to work so hard to get there, but I do love this fucking track way more than Maxwell's.
0: Yeah, man, and... uh This is the track I'm picking because I know you're going to pick the track I was going to pick. So I'm going to fucking save you the problem. I'm going to pick Oh Darling on the Freeform Rock podcast.
1: Oh Darling.
0: picked this track because fucking like Charles is saying how Paul had struggled to get that vocal but that fucking vocals on this album
1: he's phenomenal he
0: fucking feel his pain you know you know I oh. do you no wrong see see Charles you see let let me see if I could get through to you now you see the personality in McCartney's voice the pain and the struggle you feel from him right maybe okay that's yeah. what i don't get from ghost they play perfect. The voice sounds too perfect. I can't handle it. There's no personality. Well, for
3: me. We're having a good role. Why do we gotta bring up?
0: Oh, I just because I I'm trying to I've been trying to get an analogy why I don't like Ghost for you. I think you understand that one a little bit better. But um, yeah, but it says so I do.
3: I do think Oasis in a re reunited lineup could make this song great.
0: Probably. I I like that new Noel Gallagher album, but uh,
3: yeah, this, and Liam would
0: tear this up. This apparently John played bass on this one. It's this question mark and Paul bass question mark and piano question mark. So they don't know if Paul played piano. Okay. It's says question I, mark on both of them. I would
3: imagine really... The the word on the street is George. John sucked at bass, dude. He was terrible. Yeah. At this point in their career, they were passing off a Fender 6. It's a six string bass that you always seem be, to be impressed by but well, it's actually a guitar but it's uh, a tone lower and uh I think it was George because John was terrible listen along winding road
0: yeah
3: John was a scrappy rhythm player Is a guitarist but he was a shitty guitarist really it was almost like punk style I mean really Malcolm can't. Young blows them away on rhythm guitar. But I... Listen, all I can say to folks at home, listen, <laughs> I, want, listen I want to hold your hand.
0: All right, can I finish what I was saying about... The no, oh, but let me give you one, th- one
3: little caveat. Come
0: on, you have...
3: One second. While John, I don't think, was the greatest musician in the group, listen, I want to hold your hand, his rhythm guitar drives that song along. but he's, But he's not a fucking... He's not... Tony Iommi, their Tim asnick, <laughs> who's not Jimi Hendrix. Like, by like the way. Tim listens. <laughs> well, he he calls me out all the time, uh, fucking Steeler uh, fan, motherfucker. But go ahead.
0: Uh, I'm just, you know I'm just saying that the the pain and and the thing that Paul does in this is fucking awesome. And they also said that this was John's last recorded uh, song with the Beatles that he was in for. Mixing. Could be. And but he is never to record with them. Again. But
3: th- those vocal harmonies, too, dude. Yeah. When you're always going on on harmonies, those backing vocals, man, it's awesome. Even though I still do prefer the the, uh, the anthology three because it's just Paul getting raw. It's more demo-y, but this is still awesome. It's yeah, still awesome, dude.
0: How come in 1980 in a Playboy interview, uh? John confessed that O Darling is a great one of Paul's that he didn't sing too well. I always thought I could have done it better.
3: I disagree with Lennon, yeah. and he's my favorite Beatle. Paul Paul owns this song. So
0: he's probably jealous of the song. and thought he should have fronted it. He is
3: jealous. He is jealous. Could you imagine John Lennon singing Long Tall Sally? No. No. No.
0: Love he John could, Lennon. He he's sing my all favorite. He the songs no. he wants to sing, that's why
3: right but no this is paul all day and it's great so great a pick
0: fucking great fucking song and then we get to, yeah. the, get to the next one Octopus's garden uh i guess i'll go first <laughs> uh, i used to love this song man i used to love it until they had this nemo parade at work where it went to pilot corndog castle every day singing i want to be and the beatles version of it and it's like uh, if i had to hear Octopus's garden one more time i'm just gonna fucking choke myself Oh, God, I fucking hate this song now. And it, uh, there's, there's curiously five stereo mixes and seven mono mixes were made for the reason unknown, especially because Abbey Road was the first Beatles record to appear only in stereo. Octopus's Garden was the only song on this album to have a mono version separately unreleased to this day. Weird. But, uh, that's for all you, uh, Beatles heads out there, but fuck. I, this is a good song. I just can't listen to it anymore.
1: <laughs> Charles.
3: Worst song on the fucking album. I'm with Phil Anselmo. It sucks. I hate it. I don't like the version on the anthology. Sorry, Ringo. You can't write a song. You suck. I love you. They wrote,
0: you. For I, they wrote I would, song for him.
3: I would hang out and smoke weed with you and do peace and love all day. I hate this fucking song. I always have. It's right below Mr. Moonlight is my least favorite Beatles song. And I love Within You Without You. So this is terrible. I hate this song. I always skip it. And I hate to do that because I love Ringo as a dude and as a drummer. But I hate this fucking song. It's not lovely like George Harrison said.
0: It's uh, also not uh, written by him because... Uh, they just threw, but it was
3: a single. But it was yeah, a single.
0: American audiences loved Ringo. <laughs> so they I, love the Ringo I love Ringo, but I hate
3: the song. I hate the song. It's so bad. This is so lame. It, yeah, I mean, you
0: know what? It got drilled into me that it was bad.
3: It's right below Maxwell. Same
0: thing with Yellow Submarine, dude. I can't get into that song yeah. anymore.
3: I love that song on Revolver. I don't like it on Yellow Submarine, which is weird weird but it fits in with revolver but it doesn't you know but this song is the worst it's right out it's right below mr moonlight to me and it's and maxwell Silverhammer sounds like stairway to heaven compared to this song i hate it but kudos to the band to give them to give it a shot it's got decent production but i hate this fucking song All right, and the next song I am going to pick.
1: Uh,
0: That's what I thought, because that's the one I would have picked. (laughs) (laughs) I said, fuck it, I'm going to take Oh Darling, because I know you're picking that one. All right, so here it is, I Want You, She's So Heavy, Charles picked.
3: Sorry for interrupting the podcast. I just want to take a second to thank all of you for listening please take a second to leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts and follow us on podbean and join the freeform rock podcast community on facebook now back to the show
0: Song is where you have to flip, uh, it's the last song on side one. Charles, you picked it, man. I want you. She's so heavy. heavy, heavy. Okay,
3: I know that people give Holder Skelter a lot of times. The Beatles, like, that's like proto metal, or the maybe the first metal song ever. It could be, I think it's more punk to me this is but you know what if somebody said it's the first metal song I'm not gonna argue with them okay cool this is doom metal absolutely absolutely it is so fucking dark and we all fucking know we all have felt this in our lives at one time and let me tell you something if you fuck it Fuck a woman to this song, it is awesome. It's got the perfect fucking groove to it. Lennon nailed it on this song. Absolutely, I did hear your girl. What's her name? You know her from the girl, the chick, the metal singer that's big a- now. Dora? Yes, I heard hailstorms version. Mm-hmm. I sent this to my kids, and they were like, eh, I like the Beatles version better. Yes. I agree with you. Even though Hailstorms wasn't bad. McCartney is just fucking ripping on the bass. They are just killing it, and the greatest part is how it just keeps going and going and going and going, and then it just cuts off. Fuck Black Sabbath people. Lick my taint. This is fucking metal. This is metal right here. Lennon knew what the fuck the deal was. Best song in the album, in my opinion. Even though there's more great to come, and it rules. I want you. She's so heavy. Check it out. You've already don't skip it on this episode, motherfuckers. Listen to it. Fuck you. This is metal. I love it, love it, love it, love it. One of my favorite Beatles songs ever.
0: Yeah, I, I I would have picked this one. That's why I said Charles is gonna pick the fucking best song on the album. This is fucking proto metal. I don't maybe do metal. I don't listen to do metal. Well, do metal is Aussie. Yeah, this is totally Black Sabbath. Uh Black Sabbath fucking copy them on this fucking album. with
3: a little Spanish with a little Spanish groove to it too. It's cool.
0: Yeah, well uh Sabbathed Spanish Grooves too. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, man. Look, man. Uh, there's three. Who's the
3: Who's the highlight on this track to you, yeah. uh, instrument wise?
0: Uh, I think it's fucking Curious. The, the rhythm.
3: I don't know. McCartney's bass is fucking oh, it incredible. Is bad. Like
0: Billy Preston on the ham in Oregon too. Oh,
3: it's so good, dude. Go ahead,
0: man. All right. Well, no, I I fucking love this song, man. It's it's like if I if I'm in a hurry and I can't listen to the whole Abbey Road, I'll start with this song,
1: <laughs>
0: uh, or the or what we get to later. But uh, and Lennon's and Lennon's vocals, amazing.
3: He just wants to, f- even though it's for Yoko. Oh, I mean, I was hoping it was for like
0: Heather Thomas
3: or something, but no, it's for Yoko. Whatever.
0: Hey, who played Yoko. the lead on "Why My Guitar Gently Weeps"? Eric Clapton. I was right. Okay, I just wanted to make sure.
3: (laughs) But this was George. Yeah. He did great, but I think McCartney, musically on the instrument, was the standout, and he was goofing around. If you listen to that long, extended play out that they did, and then it goes silent, I mean, Paul's like yapping, and like joking around, like, hey! And he's just like fucking around that bass, but dude... It's hard to, I mean, I love end Whistle, and I love John Paul Jones, but McCartney is one of the greatest bass players there's ever been, Yeah, I in do. my I opinion. Don't
0: forget about Chris Squire and fucking Getty Lee.
3: Well, and your boy Getty, even yeah. though Gene taught him how to play the blues. Oh the gee, Blue gee,
0: gee, I agree with Chris, man. I was thinking about that. I go, like, <laughs> you know Getty's biggest, one of his biggest influences is? It's, just, it's fucking Entwistle. Whistle. Who? Uh, yeah, like he doesn't know how to play a fucking um, blues. But,
3: fucking do you play. know? Do you know who Paul's big influence was? What? James Jamerson from the Motown.
0: Nice.
3: Who played with one finger? I mean, right. I mean, McCartney is phenomenal, instrumentation wise. Definitely, it was such a. It's a sexy track. If you hook up with the chick, I mean, most people listen to the show. Mm-hmm. You don't, but that's okay. <laughs> but if you do. but if you do. Fuck to this track one time. You will not regret it. Okay, so what's the next track?
0: The next one is to become a Taylor Swift fan and you might get more chicks. Uh, let's
3: see. Here not comes anymore. the
0: sun, another George Harrison pen. Ooh, I'll I'll go first yeah. on this one, man. Uh fucking George is playing the vocal guitar, Moog synthesizer, hard <clears throat> Hand clasp, Paul bass. And, uh, of course, John isn't on this song. You got an orchestra on here again. Uh, but, uh, George, uh, it says at 223, George sang something like, it see it st- seals like years, which could be a contradiction of it seems like years, and it probably feels like years. Probably just a slight hesitation, an unfortunate slip. <laughs> so there's some rawness on here. And, this song is fucking awesome. I think it's, it's great. Fucking, it's like you're like, it's like a song to wake up to in the morning. Here comes the sun, little dawn. You know, So like you sitting there with Man. your wife and like say, putting this song on in the morning to both wake up to. You. And if I can hear the birds chirping and the cats meowing, this song fucking rules. <laughs> fucking love it. One of the best songs on here. Also, and I almost picked this one also because I I really do dig this song. Charles
3: I mean on this album there's so many good songs it's so hard to not just pick numerous songs like I'm gonna ask for a a a fucking kind of like break the rules the last two tracks I'm gonna pick so that you play them we have to but uh here comes the Sun I mean, good lord, dude. And and he wrote this. He was walking around in Eric Clapton's garden in the spring and the sun came out, which doesn't happen a lot in England. I've been to England a few times in my life and I agree. It's usually pretty gloomy there. And he, like, right. and he was just like... Right. And he was just like...
0: Bought a dick.
3: I felt it. And he came up with this... Beautiful fucking song. And, I mean, it's phenomenal. It is so phenomenal. George is my least favorite Beatle. But to quote Ian Watley, it's like the least favorite blowjob that makes you come. I mean, it still rules.
1: Oh
0: yeah.
3: By far. I mean, I love, I mean, even though I, I do like Within You Without You. Which, for some reason, Mark doesn't. I think down the road you smoke a little more weed, drink a little bit more. Maybe someday that lyrically, when I first
0: started smoking weed, the first album I grabbed was Pink Floyd and Sgt.
1: Pepper's.
3: Lyrically, <laughs> the sound might click to you eventually. No, but if it doesn't, no, no, okay, no, whatever. No, no. But this is not it's one so of boring. those. It's on the Blue Album too, the Greatest Hits. Um, I it's have that so on a phenomenal. It's so phenomenal I mean I mean something is better though right yeah. By a little bit yeah but is. this is so good
0: but this is a happy song it's like fucking the Beatles are singing about happiness and it's so good like, and it's a little partner you know and
3: darling. it's a little it's a little segue to all things must pass which I even know I love Paul his solo work and with wings and his own and I love John. John's my favorite Beatle by far. But George made the best solo record, period, with All Things Must Pass. And it's kind of a seg it's kind of like a preview of what's to come with All Things Must Pass. And uh it's so good. It is so good. I love it. It's phenomenal. So what else can you say? It's an all-time classic.
0: It is. And the ladies love it. <laughs> then we get to the next song. We start with the acid trip going on now. Uh, because... Yeah, we're getting into the medley. No, yeah, the medley. The medley, almost. Well, because, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you want to go for Oh, your- yes,
3: please. Oh, my God. Fuck the Beach Boys. I love the Beach Boys in certain albums, but nobody in history of rock and roll could do vocal medleys like John, Paul, and George. Nope. And if you don't believe it, listen to one, the Anthology 3 version, which is a cappella, or go to Las Vegas, the Mirage Hotel. Until and watch—they're
0: gonna tear that shit
3: down. Watch Beatles Love, and they open with this in the acapella version. This has Moog synthesizer or whatever. Motherfucking phenomenal! This song is so beautiful. Nobody else on the planet, and I mean nobody—not Liam Gallagher. Not fucking extreme. Not Van Hagar. Not Trickster. Not Guns N' Roses. I'm see. I'm throwing all these. I'm throwing bands you love and bands I love. I don't care.
0: Not Nelson. (laughs)
3: Not Nelson. Firehouse. Not Trick. Not Trickster. Queen. Not Firehouse. Not Kiss. Not Queen. Nobody could harmonize like these three lads, because Ringo didn't throw his voice in there.
0: Did didn't, nobody didn't they didn't they get their their technique from the Righteous Brothers? They liked the way they harmonize. I think
3: maybe, but more so the Everlys. But nobody could
0: harmonize like these oh, three it was guys. Oh, with the Everly Brothers, you are right on the Everlys. Yes, it was the In the,
3: the history of rock and roll, it is so fucking beautiful. I, I, even Dio, King Diamond, the dude from Ghost, everybody, George Michael. Freddie Mercury, everybody can lick his ass on this point. It is so beautiful. I love because one of the greatest songs the Beatles ever did, as far as their vocal harmonies. Yeah,
0: you know, go ahead, Mark. You know who does a great cover of this song?
1: The Beatles.
0: No, like an Alice Cooper. Alice yeah, Cooper but it does it in it, that it, movie, it, it, the same movie, dude.
3: But
0: it couldn't top this. No, no, it doesn't top this one at all. But I love Alice. He goes because the will, you know, his voice. Like, it, it just sounds more sinister the way he sings it. But uh, yeah. look, this, this is the all-time version, man. This is fucking the, the fucking George Martin, fucking played a hopsy chord on this, and a uh, freaking uh, Ringo played uh, guide rhythm, <laughs> fucking fucking cool shit, and. Paul ultimately bought that hopsy cord they used on this session and reused it for free as a bird. Uh, this is a fucking great fucking song. It's a trip. It's a song that, if you're not stoned by this this part of the album, dude, you you better stop the album and smoke light a joint, drink some beer, get ready for the rest of the album because you're gonna fucking trip your ass off. Fucking, it's gonna feel like a fucking circus coming up.
3: <laughs> Predomin- predominantly written by
0: John, though. Oh, uh, McCartney's a lot in there.
3: Yeah, but John wrote it.
0: Because uh, they
3: weren't really writing shit together. At this yeah, they point. weren't. No.
0: Okay, and now John we're... came
3: up with it, and, and Yoko uh, came up with the idea because it's something about Beethoven or one of these classical people, fucking yeah. homos who I don't care for, written backwards. And then John came up with the harmony. And homos, I love you. By the way,
0: percent. <laughs> all, right, all right, man. Let's get to uh, we'll get into the Strunk. King. No, we're you never give me your money.
3: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Let me go for it. Go for it. Second favorite track on the album, and uh, we're deep in melody land here, and. Uh, this is a segue we'll get a little bit... We'll touch on this later on the album. It's a McCartney track. He's done it sparingly live. He did not do it when I saw him live. I wish he would've. Um. Holy fuck, dude. And this is another one when you, you want to hear McCartney going off on the bass. Oh, yeah. Listen to this one. When he does the one sweet dream... It's so fucking awesome.
0: Yeah, where head? This is
3: This is McCartney on fire. One of the best tracks on the album. I fucking love it. It's so awesome. And I don't think Lennon played on it, by the way. Um, It
0: says he played guitar and backing vocal.
3: Maybe, but I really don't think so. I think they lied. Um, McCartney, but maybe. I mean, either way, it doesn't matter. It's a phenomenal song, definitely deep cut, lost in this medley, that Lennon did not want to do, and McCartney did want to do, and you know what, I love Lennon, but I gotta agree with McCartney, this medley was awesome at the end, and this is the highlight of the medley, phenomenal.
0: Yeah, and then we get it, uh, you didn't say it, oh yeah, man, this is a fucking great, this is a fucking, uh. You never give me your whole money. It's like a like a little fucking funk R and B fucking song, like in Paul's kicking ass on a fucking piano. My God, this song and, is the, like, bass. and the bass and the bass. The bass. You need headphones on because that's how I heard heard the bass on uh, Hey Bulldog the other night on the radio. She's like, Oh my God, this. Oh, guy, it's so. Good. I was focusing in on the bass and I I start started getting lost in Paul's but, bass Paul, lines.
3: But Mark, I'm going to tell you, rain. This is absolute best performance ever, in my opinion. All right. So, check that one out on headphones. But this is good. So is what you said. I mean, McCartney is one of the greatest bass players in the history of the planet, mm. in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And it, uh, Paul, Paul said something he recognized the, the influence of The Who was on the Beatles on this. Yeah. Yeah. From Teenage Opera, they said.
3: Well, well, he wrote Scouter because NME, New Musical Express in England, had wrote an article on the Who that said, I can see for miles, P-Town says like the heaviest song ever. And McCartney was like, told the dudes on the White Album, he was like, well, I think we can outdo that. And they did Scouter. What song do you think is heavier? As far as, like, maybe metal
0: Helter Skelter and fucking uh, <laughs> By far By Miles <laughs> I By can see far for Miles is fucking like docile cool. hippie shit yeah. yeah
3: it's cool but I mean it's not Helter Skelter No maybe but, like, it,
0: Keith Mood's drums on a, his drums are going off on that song he's going but, away from the band kind of But
3: the guitar riff on Helter Skelter No
0: no no, no. Helter Skelter fucking rules
3: Right dude the, like, And this is no joke either this track yeah, by far
0: they said, it's uh, they said at the 350 mark on this song, the Beatles begin to laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in case you guys uh, go to the 350 mark of that song and check it out, then we get into Sun King. Charles, you first, me second. What's going
3: okay. On? Yeah, it's fine.
0: All right. Go
3: um, ahead. <laughs> no, I'm going I think it's slightly okay. underwhelming on the medley, uh, with that goofy, that's not real foreign language, folks. He just, John made that up, a lot of it. It's a segue, nothing more, nothing less. I think one of the, it's underneath, it's, it might be worse than Octopus's Garden, actually, but it's definitely on the lower side of the, the album, in my opinion.
0: And yeah, they said this song was influenced by uh, Fleetwood Max Albatross. Mm. The Sun King. It yeah. And it says uh, George, George Harrison's Leslie Cabinet Model 147 RV was a present from Eric Clapton. Mm. So. Fuckers! They traded wives yeah, and they traded and he fucking took his, licks. Yeah,
3: he took his, he took his wife too.
0: I know they traded Fair wives enough. and they traded licks, and still it was like bros before hoes. They didn't let and the George, boys get in, the, in and, the middle of the relationship.
3: Yeah, and George had the hottest wife. Yeah, out of all of them.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. This song fucking sucks. It's like yeah, it's terrible. boring and, and too hippie for my liking. And it,
3: it weird, like he made up like a language. It was goofy. Yeah. It was, it was, it was good. Fuck you, John. Kids. Damn, John. My favorite Beatle. Why are you going to let me down like that? What's well, the next Paul, track?
0: Paul's done some songs like this. <laughs>
1: so, Not um, like this.
0: And Did we get to Ace? Uh, no, uh, Vinny Vincent's favorite thing. Call it fucking, uh, what is it? Uh, a Mean Mr. Mustard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fucking Vinny. He sucks. But uh, I'll, I'll go on this one, man. I like this song, man. I like me. It's fucking really slow, and it just goes right in. Sun King kind of bogged it down. Now it's picking right up with uh, Mean Mr. Mustard. So what do you think about this one, Charles?
3: One of the better Lennon tracks on Smedley. For some reason, Lennon hated the idea of this medley, and it was like, even though Paul had got a hold of George Martin, I was like, we're going to make an album like we used to, it was like, even John, you know, it was like, yeah, but John put up a lot of resistance in this medley. Uh, this is on also Anthology 3, a very stripped down version, and slightly different lyrics, but it's okay, it's all right, it's definitely better than Sun King. Yeah. Um, it fit in the melody okay. And that's all I can say about it. Yeah, it's it worked, just a it nice worked. little snippet.
0: It didn't bog down the melody like Sun King did.
3: Yeah. yeah. Ooh.
0: Yeah, that <laughs> was bad. Yeah, but uh, it says on this, uh, 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 an assuming detail, every time Paul's vo- vocal enters the sound of the, the tambourine, disappears from the recording. Possibly his voice and tambourines were kept on the same track to save space, or the Ooh. use of a compressor-limited re- Reduce the sound of the tambourine in favor of the vocal. As soon Ooh. as the vocal disappears, the tambourine comes back. I never noticed that. Yeah. Pretty trippy. That's nah, okay. The trippy
3: yeah, this is okay. It would be the best extreme track ever. That's about all I can say.
0: Yeah, it, it, yeah. it works for the medley. If Sun King did so yeah. out it would be a much tighter medley. Then we get into the next part of the medley. Polythene Pam you want me to go first
3: or you want to go first? No, I can go ahead.
0: Okay.
3: This is way more like it. Whoa! This song smokes, man. And also, way advanced. He's talking about the transvestite. John Lennon was out there, man. I mean, you say whatever you're about Paul. Paul is always trying to be like, I'm cooler than John, even to this day. Like, I made more avant-garde stuff for him. John was fucking living life, man. He was the fucking the dude, and uh, he probably met Polythene Pam. I mean, what can you say? It's just a good little rock song, great little segue. It wasn't much of a song. It's also on the anthology three, but it just fit in perfect. Great segue into more of this medley, as far as I can
0: see. They're saying that John might have played a 12-string acoustic in the intro of Theme Pam. Maybe. Uh, that's what they're talking about. Um, and it also says on the 45 seconds of this song, Paul overshot shot the note on, on one of his uh, glycer- glycerados. He wanted to correct it, but overruled himself saying, No, it's great. Leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is fucking pretty, a fucking great song. I like it. Like it it just moves the fucking thing to get to the crescendo of this fucking thing.
3: It's so good looking, but you look like a man.
0: Yeah, like, fucking they're singing about transvestites and I <laughs> people are getting pissed off about before before people are getting Kings. pissed off about a before fucking beer Goose. right now. God right damn. before
3: the before the king with Lola.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but Two I'm also years. saying people are getting pissed off over a fucking can of beer that never tasted good. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That fucking dude.
3: What's What's like, the next one?
0: The next one. She came in through the bathroom window.
3: Oh man.
0: Yeah. Go um, ahead. Oh, you want wow, me to like, go like, ahead? All right, man. I, I like giving these. Uh, Paul was vocals, vocals, bass, guitar, piano. It says song was main songwriter was Paul. Uh, George Lee guitar, backing vocal, wrinkle drums, percussion. John played lead, backing guitar, and piano. Question mark. It has piano question mark on Paul and John on that. So I guess it, there was. A, you know how many takes it did, took to do this? Forty fucking takes, dude. Yeah. I see, I go. Damn. Mm-hmm. But it says at the 048, uh, second mark, there's a goof by an acoustic guitar. More than more than falls clearly mm-hmm. off beat. Whose fault? Question mark. It was probably Mm. John playing the 12-string acoustic, but I love this song, man. She came through the bathroom window, talking about fucking drugs with the Silver Spoon. Fucking dude, this fucking song is fucking melodic as fuck. Harmony's rule. This is like my getting into my favorite part of the fucking medley, man. What do you think about it, Charles?
3: Well, it's actually part semi-biographical, because two apple tarts, which was a song on a George album later, broke into Paul's house in St. John Wood, and uh, he just kind of crafted a song around it, um, she came in through the bathroom window. Um, maybe it's not the best song in the melody. Oh. No, oh, but this is it's but it's close. It's really close. Um. Oh my God, the song is so great. It's just a little snippet of a song, but it's so good. Again, folks, maybe check the anthology three version to compare, because that one's really good as well. Um, this is way more polished, but it's actually based off a real story. Somebody did break into Paul's house. Uh, It's so good. It's so good. Way better than Sun King and Octopus's Garden. Okay, so what are we get into now?
0: What we get into now is Golden Slumbers, man. Oh, Lord. That uh, sounds like you go first. <laughs>
3: Paul wrote this based off a old school like nursery rhyme that sing to people little kids that fall asleep. He, uh, the The chords and the music is the same. He changed the lyrics a little bit. One of the most beautiful songs I think it's ever been done. I was lucky to see him do this whole part of the suite live, and. uh it doesn't disappoint live today even with Paul being like 80 and it did not disappoint then again his vocals are phenomenal and uh his great piano it's so beautiful That's all i can say
0: yeah
1: it's
0: a fucking great fucking song man golden slumber's man it's coming it's building up man it's fucking Paul, man. Fucking just rules. I love Paul's voice, man. My favorite Beatle. uh, Then we get into fucking Carry That Weight, man. And this song took 17 takes to record. So, Charles, Carry That Weight? It's
3: cool. You do definitely hear Wingo a lot on the vocals. Uh, It's definitely a gang vocals type thing. It's a nice segue. Um... That's about all I can say, it's a nice segue, it's definitely crafted well, but it's nothing more than that, it's a segue into what we're going to get into, the crescendo of this record.
0: Yep. This is fucking great. It also says, uh, in the last chorus, boy, you're going to carry that weight, about the one eighteen mark, it sounds as if someone sings Paul instead of boy, a joke. Or our imagination.
1: <laughs>
0: hmm. Paul, you're going to carry that weight. This is a fucking great song. I love to sing-along. It's kind of like gang vocals before there were gang vocals, right? Yeah. Uh, who's doing the 80s gang vocals here?
3: <laughs> well, Slade did it before. But like, yeah, I get you.
0: So you can Go see the where way. the 80s were started getting their gang vocals from. Uh, That's a fucking great segue into fucking the end. Charlie Well...
3: Well, the end. Also, we have, in my opinion, one of the greatest moments in history of recordings in human life, because you have a three-way solo duel with on the guitar with George Harrison, Paul McCartney, and John Lennon. So, if you listen to it, the sequence is George Harrison in the first little segment, then Paul and John. And if you really deeply listen to it, it's almost perfect as far as how those people work. George is like this nice melodic kind of thing. Paul is like a little showboaty. And John is just like cut you in the fucking throat. You listen to how it goes, and there's like two or three movements on that guitar. Also, you have the only Ringo star. Drum solo in the history of the band, leading into those guitar solos, and when and John, uh, you know, as it should be, as the leader and the best Beatle, closes it out with his just knifing, cutting into you solo,
2: and then you got
3: Paul saying, "And in the end, love you take is equal to love you make." The
0: most quoted part of a Beatles song.
3: phenomenal if you are not moved by this you are a piece of wood and don't come around me I don't trust you don't ask me for nothing you suck this is phenomenal the greatest ending of an album ever in the history of recorded music of the greatest band in the history of recorded music period
0: what a crescendo for them to go out with this track, man! It's like, look, motherfuckers, we built this. Now we're fucking dropping the mic. Later, bitches. <laughs> That's what the song reminds me of. It's like, well, we're the Beatles. You guys, you guys all suck. <laughs> it says, try to top this, bitches. You know. But it says Reno's yeah. drum solo was inspired by uh, Ron Bushy, drummer of Iron Butterfly group played on their 17 minute hit in Goda da released
3: maybe and they had they had to like beg ringo to do it because he hates drum solos a
0: really absolutely drum solo
3: yeah and he's ringo ringo is the dude I would hang out with the most yeah out of all of them he's That's like the coolest fans. well he's the coolest yeah and he's like laid back the most out of all of them I mean, well, John's dead, George's dead, but you know what I mean. Yeah. If they were all alive, it's like, even John said, Ringo's the one you want to hang out with. Yeah. His drum solo is great, but that fucking three-way guitar duel, fuck, man. Definitely Skinner took a note from that. It did work with that later, but Paul's vocals, those pianos at the end, it's absolutely phenomenal. Greatest
0: ending of an album
3: in the history of mankind in my opinion. That's there, all I can say.
0: There's a little thing when <laughs> this thing is a uh, George's cookie. While they are working on the end, the, fam- the famous dispute between George and John took place. Yoko had just gotten out of bed and was slowly paddling across the studio. She began to open a package of cookies that belonged to George and delicately removed one and just as it reached her mouth, George could 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 contain himself no longer and yelled, "That bitch!" From the control room window. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Yoko didn't break up the Beatles, right?
1: Mm,
3: well,
0: <laughs> seems like maybe. all of them had something against her, man. Except John. Yeah.
3: That puss one, but must have been fire. But yeah. we do have one
0: hidden track. Yeah, we do. Go for it, man.
3: Her Majesty. Um. It's cool, it's whatever, it's, it kind of seems more White Album-ish. And this is a little you know, acoustic guitar ditty. I really still to this day believe, sorry Jerry Supe, Paul McCartney was the best guitar player in the Beatles, yes. in my opinion. Um, He's playing a little acoustic-y shit, he's playing a lot of those
0: leads in the Beatles that he didn't get credit for.
3: Yeah. Oh, he he blew George away. Oh, yeah. He taught uh, George a lot. But it's a cool little, like, whatever. It's just like the, and he came in, and and the end of Sgt. Pepper's. If you actually listen to the end, that's what the Beatles did. Just put little little segues. It was not supposed to be on the album, but McCartney heard it on a playback and was like, leave it. It was actually the end of a White Album track. As I believe, and he was like, "We'll leave it on there. Fuck it." And that's the way it went. And Abbey Road. If somebody told me this is their greatest album, I wouldn't slap them. I wouldn't be upset. It's definitely, it's definitely up there. It's not my favorite, but it's definitely up there. It's in my top three. And uh, what an album! And what a way to.
0: Yeah man. I I agree with you. I I like the little Hermad. It just sounds like it sounds like a segue on him going solo. Like he started doing kind of stuff like that with instrumentals and little ditties like that McCartney one that we talked about. He was a lot of yeah. instrumentals on there kind of like this except he put a little vocal on this one. So uh what a great way. It's like like I said that after the end it's like mic drop bitches. I can try to copy that shit. Well, and,
3: it, and it makes sense because the very first Please Please Me, what was the opening track? I saw her standing there. Yeah. Paul McCartney. Yeah. And we right. end with Her Majesty. Perfect. Perfect. That's right. That's right, Beatles haters. Suck that scroat, lick the butthole. The greatest band in the history of the planet showed you how to go out. Right, right. there with Abbey Road my
0: opinion did and then well that's our review of uh abbey road man uh also by vinyl man this album is excellent on vinyl but uh charles i don't know what your track of the week is so you think about it well i'm gonna give you no i'll give you one okay
3: i've just found them today from a great documentary or uh podcast i've been listening to off the bbc and I sent one of those songs to you. It's called Manic Street Preachers. And I think more people should check this group out because they're more like hair metal than brick pop. It's really cool. But let me find the track. I don't know. What's uh, the song? This song is going to be Slash and Burn by Slash the Mag- Burn. Manic Street Preachers. And for you hair metal fans, you probably will like it. 1992.
0: All right, man. And then I'm gonna go with Paul McCartney and Wings. I've been listening to a lot of Paul McCartney and Wings lately, and I'm gonna pick 1984
3: off of. What a great song! My favorite McCartney album. Dude,
0: you just that the piano, man. That's what he brought from the Beatles when he did Wings. That Beatles piano that he did, you know. That yeah. was fucking him, dude. And you could hear, like, the Beatles transitioning into solo McCartney. Fucking amazing when he used those pianos.
3: Mrs. Vanderbilt, another great yeah. track off that album. Uh, Band on the Run is my favorite. McCartney and Wings album by far.
0: Mine, too. Fucking love it. Oh, so,
3: yeah. It rules.
0: Yeah, it's got so But this cool.
3: was fun, dude. Yeah. See, you hung with the Beatles. You had to pull notes, but that's okay. I didn't pull notes. That's all right.
0: Didn't
3: have notes. Well, a couple. You had to pull the the website well. I had the book. I stuff. thought
0: the little facts are cool. So, They're cool. I'm not but, on Wikipedia uh, getting them. now I actually have a book. No, I rose.
3: <laughs> I mean, I'm a uber passionate Beatles fan, and it was I can talk about the Beatles any day. Don't matter what album. It's phenomenal. And this was a great, ep- uh, I think it was a great episode. So I hope people check it out.
0: Yeah, it was, man. Uh, well, uh, that's our Tracks of the Week. That's the thing. Make sure like, subscribe, and share. Give us a five-star. Re- well, uh, my wife already said that in a mid-thing. So uh, take it easy, Charles. Later, bro. All right. Of rock and heavy metal and some Duran Duran. <laughs> just joking. Where am I? Tune into thatmetalstation.com every Tuesday night to hear the Freeform Rock Show. 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Only on thatmetalstation.com.
3: You have just listened to the Freeform Rock podcast. All music
1: played on the Freeform Rock podcast belongs to its owner